What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. Wait, wait, wait. What are we up to? 119 now? It feels so <laughs> weird to say that. 119 live streams in the last year and a half. We're out here uh, effing growing. Today's Tuesday. We're going to talk about uh, front ends as a service. So Webflow is kind of on the cutting edge of this no code movement, but we think there's another layer to kind of dissect. You've heard me talk about this on the show a lot, discussing this concept of a front end as a service. So we're going to walk you through what is that? What does it mean? How does Webflow play into that? And how can you take advantage of all of that inside of this space? But before we get too far into this thing, let's F and grow. What's up, Joe? Hey, how you doing? Good. I'm excited because we broke a waiting record. Yeah. The most amount of people waiting for one of our streams was today. What did we get up to? We were at the YouTube said 60 before we hit the live button. So we were just talking wow. about we get excited when we hit 100. So imagine if there's 100 there before we go live. So um, yeah, that was a cool, cool moment. It's cool to see this stuff kind of growing in real time. Yeah. And thank you all for being here. You're yeah. a part of the the waiters. Yeah. So this yeah. is going to be a good episode. We're, we're talking front end as a service. And then after, we're going to release some new tools. We're going to release the attributes API. We're going to talk about that. And we're also releasing the table of contents for our FN Pro account holders. Mm. So this is going to be a good episode. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think um, for those of you who stick through to the end, we got some cool stuff for you. We're going to I think we're going to start doing that as much as we can too. little sneak peeks um, into the into the stuff we're building for those who kind of hang out with us on the stream. So like we do, let's say what's up to the folks in the comments today. Zach was the first one in with what we learned in today. So we're going to talk all about the future of visual software development. And of course, a couple major drops at the end. Daniel Brosnio was checking in, not going to be able to hang with us during the stream, but I uh, wanted to say hi. Tony, what's up, y'all? I just found out on Twitter today that Tony wakes up at 3 a.m so that he can hang uh, on these streams and get his fitness on and do his stuff. I think that's a hell of a dedication. Super humbled to hear that both Joe and I were. So wanted to give you some love there, Tony, uh, for, for whatever dedication that is that drives you to wake up so early. That's uh, that's cool. Um, and I, I believe you'll be rewarded for that soon. So uh, Scott Humphrey, what's up, Mark? Eve Geyser's in the house. Patrick, hello. Thanks for setting that reminder. Juan is here. Bailey's in the house. This will be an awesome chat. I've been struggling a little bit with Webflow lately for more complex app builds. Yeah, I think lots of people are trying to do that right now. You know, lots of people are trying to get a little bit more complex. This is uh, an exciting topic as Webflow grows. So, yeah, uh, Lucas is here. Rahuli, let's go. Um, Zach Stevens, Dale Jensen, Christopher Coleman. All right, Penny, Jeremy. Man, I think I saw Kayla in here. Um, Grace is here. Stephen Hilario, Tanette. All right, that's too much. Too many of y'all. There's too many. It's going to be impossible to keep naming you all as we go. So let's get into this. Let's jump into, uh, we already said the couple announcements. We're going to have the table of contents that we're going to drop and the attributes V1. So stay tuned the entire thread. Um, but let's go through a couple of these other things like we typically do. We usually have a couple announcements. Um, 
let's see let's clear that uh colleen always does a good job of grabbing these events for us so um you should go follow colleen if for whatever reason if you're not doing that you're missing out uh, she's always keeping people up to date on events and stuff in the community yesterday we had this cool open house if you haven't watched that we did another little product sneak peek that was a great event we had something like 120 people on the stream we had 50 people inside of the gather space uh lots of fun that's quickly turning into our favorite kind of monthly event so uh go check that out it's the second monday i think of every month um so anyway, uh, right after the call, uh, the Webflow show, Keith Armstrong, Melissa Mendez, and Grace Walker are talking with John Saunders. Uh, John's always up and up on uh, SOPs, standard operating procedures, agency growth, things like that. So that'll be a good conversation. Um, and then just a bunch of other events here. Uh, Edgar Allen's always doing uh, these, these uh, Webflow cafes. Um, SEO, lot, lots of stuff here. So just go give Colleen a follow, check up with those events. That is uh, lots of stuff going on in the no-code. It seems like every week there's more and more events. So uh, what else do we have today for announcements, huh? I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah, okay, let's get into the, let's get into the comments. Oh, wait, <laughs> we have one more. One more special little announcement because um, today is Joe's birthday, y'all. Happy birthday. <laughs> so everybody's got to go like send Joe some love today. Uh, whether you follow him on Twitter, on Facebook, leave it in the comments today. And y'all can't hear it, but this song says happy birthday, Joe. That's nice. a random song nice. on YouTube. That's like a happy birthday to Joe song. So, uh, yeah. Um, we're all happy to have Joe and thankful for uh, his birth. And here we are lots of years later building cool stuff in Webflow. So anyway, share some love with him on that. Thank you. And I will say you had me totally surprised. I said, wait, what else is th what else is in announcements? I don't know what we're, we're talking about here. So that, that was a surprise. Thank you. <laughs> nice. Okay. And with that, we will get into the show. So uh, disclaimer, we always start with um, disclaimers. Uh, first one is that these are our own thoughts and ideas compiled over years of research and experience. We've done a little research. We're going to share some of that with you. Um, but this is just kind of us thinking out loud. We've talked about this for a while. I've been thinking about this stuff for years. Um, as I see Webflow kind of leading the charge here, it's kind of cool to discuss this. And since we talk about it a lot, I figured let's dedicate an episode to it. Let's kind of anchor this down as, uh, you know, one of the early conversations about how Webflow is going to play in this space. So that's disclaimer number one. Joe, you want to take number two? Number two, we might be completely wrong. This may not happen. This may not be a thing, but we think it will be. Yeah. So, yeah, this is. I, I, I like to think of this as a theory. This is a theory based on our experiences and based on where we can see the industry moving. Yeah. So, that's the end of the disclaimers. Anything more to add? No, and it's an evolving conversation. I don't think we're wrong in the premise that this is coming. We may be wrong in that, you know, Webflow, like we think has an advantage here, but maybe there's going to be players that surprise us. So we may be wrong in certain things and small little details, but for sure, this is the trajectory of the industry. Um, we're going to show you some, some papers here that kind of validate those thoughts and um, leave your thoughts in the comments. So what are you excited about? as it comes to visual software development. What is it that gets you excited about this potential, right? Surely building with Webflow is fun. A lot of us get excited about being able to build whatever we see on the web without having to worry about custom code and things like that. And so that's cool. But what about when you can start adding that functional uh, aspect to it? You know, the login, the user, Webflow has been teasing memberships and logic and some of this stuff. And there's tools like Wizd out there that allow you to do some of this. And so what gets you excited? 
as you start hearing about the evolution of visual software development, as this whole thing evolves forward, we'd like to know from you. You know these conversations always flow with the audience, so be sure to leave your thoughts in the comments as we go. Um, Joe, any other thoughts there before we kick it off? That's it. Let's kick it off. Nice. Okay. So I wanted to start out by defining um, what front end as a service actually is. Um, and so I did a little bit of research and I found a couple articles that, um, and I saw Kyle had a comment earlier about us coining the phrase. We actually didn't coin the phrase, uh, unfortunately. I didn't read it from somewhere else before I found it and it does look like they're uh, spelling it a little different. They're trying to slide that E in there, which I think is ugly, don't do that. Um, it's, uh, but this is an interesting concept. So the analyst, this is a report from Gartner, estimate that by 2023, half of all new commerce functions will be implemented as API first SaaS, right? So according to the Gartner auditors, companies that rely on modular solutions will be able to integrate new functions 80% faster than the competition, which is again, what has us excited about no code is that we can move fast. But what has us even more excited is the modularity of what's coming. We've seen this with Stripe payment links. We just talked about migrating client first. All that was happening with Stripe payment links, which is basically an API working on the back end. Stripe's doing all the payment processing. Put this link wherever you want. We'll pop up the modal. We'll do the thing. Stripe is offering you a payment front end as a service here, right? So that's just a, a real current example that we've talked about. Um, but the authors of the, the report see the decoupling of the front end and back end as a key enabler for the breakthrough of modular applications, which is what we're talking about um, here. And uh, at the end of the episode, not at the end of the episode, as we transition into the, the product release, we're gonna talk about how, why this relates to Webflow and how it relates back. But I wanna talk a couple call outs here um, that I think as you start reading, we'll, we'll make it clear why Webflow is gonna be important. So Gartner warns that it's usually not easy to break up large monoliths and turn them into modular applications. Currently, only most digitally advanced companies are able to build their IT infrastructure this way. This is the big hurdle. This is why no code is powerful because it brings, it abstracts the complexity and allows people to start building technical solutions without code at a lower level. So what they're saying here is that it's really hard to build these applications and that you know only big companies are gonna be able to make this switch, but the products they build will help the small companies and that's where we're all gonna come into play. The next thing they say is certain aspects of the digital experience will be more difficult to manage than before if there's no focus on them from the outset. These include page layout management via WYSIWYG or drag and drop in context content preview and customer journey management. So what they're saying here is that the decoupling of the front end with the back end, which is really what the definition we're gonna look in the next paper um, is about this, creates some complexity because with these integrated systems, WordPress, et cetera, the front end comes with the back end, right? WordPress is the back end, you get a theme, that's your front end, you do everything together, it's a closed system. So as you separate these, you start losing what the value was on the front of that WordPress type thing, which is the visual style editor, which is where Webflow really shines. And so what they're talking about here is there's gonna be a big need for these tools like a Webflow to come in and build these front ends for all these companies that are decoupling their back end services, for all of these e APIs that are being built. They're gonna need front ends and places to go and let people land to interact with those segments. And those backend companies are not gonna be as focused as they are with giving you those front-end controls. They're gonna rely on some other no-code solution, some other front-end building solution to give you access to manipulate that stuff. So as we look in as what is front-end as a service as a definition here, a product development service that consistently delivers modern front-end modules, an extension of software components as a service. So uh, seeks to standardize the development of front-end products. And I forget where I saw it. It's about decoupling the front from the back end. So I think that's, um, 
as much as we need to cover from kind of the academic side of, you know, what the pros are saying about this, we can jump into kind of just dialogue back and forth. Joe, any thoughts about what I said there? Um, some of that, what we just read uh, sparking anything in your head? Yeah, I find it really interesting that this is happening and people are already writing about this. It's very cool that we're talking about this today because at the end of the episode, we're going to show this concept live in action. The Attributes API is hosted and lives in GitHub, and we are using Webflow as our front end only. We are not storing any information. We are Nothing is dynamic in Webflow. It is all from GitHub because GitHub is the best at holding code, at managing code. So that's where the developers manage it. And now the front end developers can go and manage how the visual looks in Webflow. So yeah, I think this is really interesting. And we I was just working on this the past two weeks and it makes so much sense. Yeah, uh, the, the right people are in the right platforms doing the right things for those platforms. Yeah, yeah. And this isn't super new, right? The next phase I wanna talk about here is really how this is an evolution of what we've been seeing for a long time. It is going to mature over the next couple of years and it is being defined as this front end as a service term right now. Um, but it's a natural evolution of some of the stuff, some of the trends we've maybe seen over the last couple of years, specifically as it relates to productizing, you know, website or web development services. Um, I think we've probably all seen, I think we've talked about on this show even a couple of times. Um, I have a, a, an acquaintance who runs a flooring web uh, specific marketing company. They started out as just an agency and they found a niche in building websites for flooring companies. And as that evolved, you know, you end up with a couple hundred websites for people that need flooring. You start seeing things that they repeatedly need. And so they productize that offering, that service, and then start building technology specifically for flooring companies that integrated with marketing tools and email marketing and blah, blah, blah. And so as their agency evolved, it productized into a service that is now specific for flooring companies. And I see that happening more and more. I see that type of thing just evolving. Um, and, and I have a couple other examples here. Joe, any thoughts on um, just that kind of example? Or we've even done that with uh, some of the hotel niche stuff. You know, like there's mm -hmm. things that you can reuse. There's, hold up. Okay, <laughs> we just hit Already the 100 mark. Already 100, so. nice. Yeah. Um, Great. So yeah, any thoughts there as it relates to kind of productizing those services being the first step the first step in, in what this front end as a service is and, and maybe what could give people hope that they're growing into, right? You could be finding a niche right now and be the first person to build a front end as a service business in a box type thing for X vertical or Y vertical or Z vertical kind of in this space. Any thoughts on, on this being the beginning of that, Joe? Yes, I think this will be really great for a lot of industries. Let's bring up a comment from Mill Hone Design. Mm -hmm. I also work in agriculture and I see so many opportunities that can be solved with technology and no code. It's fast and inexpensive way to accomplish this. That is great. Uh, in a, an industry that may be on the less technical side traditionally, being able to use these tools, put them in a box and service this, make it a service for agriculture, this is really powerful. It's going to help the entire industry just from the tech that's coming on the website. So yeah, this is, it's very exciting. Nice. 
Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually just seeing here in the happy birthday cub of it's Grace's mm. birthday as well. So we'll give Grace a little bit of birthday love too. So, and whoever nice. else birthday, it may happen to be coming up. So, <laughs> um, Jane is saying here, yeah, definitely excited for all the possibilities. I'd love to be able to do more complex things for clients, especially the smaller ones. This is what it will enable. You know, like we're, Webflow talks a lot about abstracting HTML, CSS, and JavaScript and abstracting the technical hurdles of writing code, but that still creates a significant hurdle from a technical complexity standpoint. We've talked about this, that Webflow is not easy, right? We had did a whole episode about Webflow not being easy um, and why it's important to kind of respect what we do and the value we bring to the table because it's, it's not that easy. And so imagine this front end as a service will allow us to abstract that layer even one step further for other folks down this chain and start offering things like WordPress themes, right? Or um, another example of this kind of evolution of the uh, FAST from like the existing business model is things like complex WordPress themes or Squarespace themes or Wix themes that have added functionality, things that let you manage user systems or add social interactivity or um, you know, baked in digital e-commerce goods and different things that you can then plug into that interface. And some of those themes go for hundreds of dollars. Sometimes they go for hundreds of dollars a month because you get then somebody to manage that for you. And again, that becomes that front end as a service. I'm not sure they're calling it that yet. This could just be a complex template or a business template or a gym or whatever type template that you're buying, but it is essentially that. It's a front end that you can customize and use for your backend data uh, that you don't have to build. And so that's that's where all this is headed. Um, there's a couple other use cases, I, but Joe, go, go ahead with your thoughts there. I love that last comment from Jane about doing more complex things for these smaller clients. Mm. So when I think smaller clients, I go right back to my days early building for smaller clients. I'm thinking a dog groomer. Dog groomer says, hey, I want someone to be able to click this button and it sends me a text message with their email, whatever, right? They ask for some random thing. And the first thought is no way. This is a small business. It's a small budget. That's a major feature. But when these integrations start to happen, Webflow, the website is just the front end for that click to happen to trigger whatever this business owner wants that is complex, but is being done in a very simple way. This is really powerful for small business. Yeah. It's the difference between a small business being able to operate exactly how they want to, no, this is too expensive. You know, you can't do text automation service. It's too much. So yeah, the small business part, that's exciting. A yeah. lot of opportunity for growth there. Yeah, and I think um, th this is a good transition into the next phase where we're talking about, like, let's talk about some potential use cases here um, because I see a comment, where is it here? Christian Schmidt was saying, with Logic and memberships, everyone can build a platform or web app with Webflow and ours. This is the promise, right? We've yet to see it. You know, this is the, 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 the golden pot at the end of the rainbow that we're all kind of hoping for. And I think Webflow hopes to be on the leading edge of this front end as a service. I have to imagine this is why they're thinking about opening up their back end. We make the analogy about Webflow being iOS pre-App Store and WordPress kind of being uh, BlackBerry you know, when iOS came out and how iOS was seen as a cool toy until they opened up the app store. And then, you know, there's an app for that. Well, guess what that was? That was a front end for all of these companies to build an interface for you to put on your phone and be able to touch their data, interact with their platform, interact with their software. 
Webflow will soon open this door. I don't know if it's a year from now. I don't know if it's two years from now. Maybe they'll surprise us. It'll be six months from now. I don't know, right? I doubt it. I'd probably uh, venture to guess. It's going to be a little while before they open that up fully. But as that opens up, I see a lot of this happening where people bring those external data sets in and allow you to kind of plug and play. And what you're talking about here, Christian, will be realized. Because let's say you're a media organization, right? So a potential use case. Let's, let's just jump into the potential use cases here. Let's say you're a news organization and you want to build a really beautiful web front end for your journalist and blah, blah, and, and uh, your editor team. And people need to be able to submit articles and do all this stuff. Well, if you're the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or one of these big media publications, you've got a budget for that. But if you're not, well, how do you do that? If you're the local newspaper trying to compete, how do you compete with that consolidation without some type of advantage like this? This is why they move to kind of self-hosted solutions and, and do some of that. But maybe over the course of the next few years, somebody out there in this audience will build a beautiful media template for media companies. They'll have memberships and logic built in because Webflow will let them build you know, logic that does that. And maybe there'll be some plugins that allow you to pull data in from other sources, whether that's your MailChimp, whether that's your Patreon, whether that's your Substack, whatever it is, and display and pull that data. Imagine if you could feed it just like you map your CMS in Webflow. Imagine if it just plugged in and instead of your CMS, you're pulling from another source or you're pulling from somewhere else. And so there's lots of use cases. Joe, any any specific use cases that jump out for you for where this might go, what people might use this for, especially um, you know in the Webflow world here as, as people evolve their agencies or productize their services? We have a great comment from Raul of a great use case. I see this really, really expanding once this is out, once once you can connect everything. Raul says, we are able to help a charity create a notice board to connect refugees to people that can house them within a day using Webflow and some third-party services. There are a lot of people that have charities and they don't have the funds to build these complex systems. So if we now make the system easier for these charities to use, they now can do more with less money, with less time, with less resources. So I see I see this type of field really growing, the, the charity nonprofit side, and I see that smaller business growing. We know that there's going to be the product uh, New York Times and the product of hotels and all of these. These, of course, will happen. But the small business and the, the nonprofit, I could see that growing even quicker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a good point to bring up here from Dale. It says, since I began to pay, uh, play, I, I imagine saying play, around with Webflow, so much has already changed around the possibilities the space allows. Very hard to keep up, but head down and working on it. I feel like this. I see the stuff that we're developing at FinSuite and some of these attributes and products, and I see them working on all these documentations and things, and I'm like, uh, I'm getting left behind, and I'm here. Right. So, so I could totally see how somebody on the outside or on the edges of this um, could, could feel overwhelmed. Uh, but you've you're got the right approach. Just keep your head down, pick little chunks, and just stick with it. Because if you stop or if you slow down, it's going to imagine trying to come back to it a year from now or two years from now. And imagine how technically complex this is going to become for new people jumping in you know, six months from now, a year from now, who have to learn everything from the ground up. So just know that you have an advantage right now in that space that you already have a base level understanding. So just push that. Um, don't be the person that looks back a year from now, two years from now and be like, dang, I wish I'd have stuck with that. I wish I'd have just figured something out because there's so many opportunities coming here. Recently, I've seen a lot of questions of people asking, what do I focus on? What do I learn? There's so much content. Where do I start? I love to pick topics for projects that I am actually working on. Mm. 
So if there, if I'm working on a project and there is something about filtering in that project, that's when I jump into filtering. If I'm doing a project and it requires table of contents, that's when I learn the table of contents. Don't just learn table of contents, sit on it for three months, forget about it, and then have to relearn it again. Yeah. So take those real projects, those real use cases, and learn what's in those because then you do it again and again, and now you're a pro yeah. at that thing that you're you're learning. It also makes it a little stickier to learn it like that because you're learning it with Ooh. a practical application rather than just trying to go learn the concept. So if every time a new feature is announced and you just rush to go learn it and you you know ingest the tutorials and whatever, maybe that's good to get like an over, overview of it. But until you actually have that I need to apply this functionally for a product. You really don't have like what Joe was saying there that, you know, that that direct application purpose, um, which again, makes it a little more sticky in your brain from a, a learning process. Um, so just something to think about there. Uh, maybe don't overwhelm yourself, you know, like focus on focus on the basics. And then once you hit a threshold and you feel super confident there, then add another step of functionality and then add another step of functionality and slowly build that up. But make sure that foundation is super solid as you add, because it's more important that that foundation is solid as you grow, because you're going to add a lot of stuff to this stacking on the top and you want that tower to be you know rigid. So um, any other potential use cases? I see civic organizations, nonprofits, NGOs, like this is huge for them to kind of build their community. Uh, for a long time, it didn't make sense for any of these organizations to build software because maybe it's a PTA or it's a local church or it's um, some school board and there's only a couple hundred or maybe a thousand people in the network and it doesn't make sense to build a big piece of software for a couple hundred users because it requires scale. This is why software companies are always talking about, we gotta grow because the VCs and the money people all want, need to see new growth to make it make sense to keep investing the money to grow the network. But now we're about to catch up to a point where it makes sense to build software for 50 people, for 100 people, for 1,000 people, because you can grab the front end off a shelf, go grab the back end off a shelf, and grab a visual software developer to link up all those dots, and next thing you know, bingo, bango, you got a solution that's built for them, and then they can go to work customizing it with you know the little add-ons or playing around with the little integrations or whatever it is. And so, um, Joe, any other any other uh, core kind of potential use cases you see popping off here? Well, I I also see really technical applications mm. using this. Uh, you know, we're talking a lot about verticals and, and industries as a whole, but I can see. I can see development teams really taking taking this this concept. Right now, developers and development teams like Webflow, but they don't love Webflow because of some of the developer limitations, right? There's a, a love-hate relationship. When that starts to open up and when when we're now able to use it without those types of restrictions, I think there'll be a higher reliance on hosting your docs with Webflow as a front end. Uh, hosting um, marketing pages that maybe have you know some custom auth or some some special thing that maybe wouldn't be a good use case for Webflow. I could see those technical teams adopting it a lot quicker, yeah. which I'm excited about. Well, and the other use case um, that you just sparked there when you're talking about developers is that guess who's positioned to build tools that then become modular tools for front ends of service, right? Like, no coders are not building Webflow, right? Like. Full coders are building Webflow and giving us those tools. So as these tools get more robust and as this front end of the service becomes more robust, 
you'll see just like people do now where maybe I take one of those really high-end WordPress themes or Squarespace themes or Wix themes and hire somebody to customize that for me. Maybe you as a Webflow developer will have business in a box for a gym or for restaurants or for whatever and you'll have 50 different templates that you can use with you know 10 different types of uh, profile pages and this kind of page for this type of custom thing and then what happens is you have some stuff off the box, people come to you for a package and then your add-on becomes really refining that for them or customizing that solution for them or maybe even hiring some developers to help you connect some of those dots and so yeah I agree as much as this is going to help non-developers this opens up doors for folks who do have some development talent to create products like again what we're going to show at the end of the show here and what we teased yesterday during the um, show and tell so lots of development and none of this no code stuff like again means code is going anywhere it just means more people will have access to the fruits of the labor of what the code does um so let's jump uh, into our last topic here, which is kind of how Webflow fits in. Let's kind of tie the dots back to Webflow and we'll spend the rest of the time talking about the, um, the couple features that we're dropping in and discussing today, Joe. Great, how Webflow fits in. We are already trying to push the limits of this at FinSuite, pushing the limits of what we can do in Webflow without code. That's, our, that's what we're trying to do with attributes. Attributes gives you a code tool set without writing any code. Hmm. Things that would normally require code are now done with attributes. So we're trying to, to really keep Webflow as the front end. HTML, CSS, we don't have to worry about anything else. We're trying to extract that JavaScript for you. So we're, we're starting to do this. Of course, this completely changes once Webflow releases a marketplace and more, more tools for us and we're ready to do that with them. So I think web, Webflow, it's, it's just the right choice for the front end. Yeah. It, I think they're going to be the highlight, the center of attention in this front end as a service migration. Yeah, yeah, I think that's why, you know, let's say this Webflow stock is rising. Uh, Webflow is not a public company, so they don't have stock. I wish they did, I'd you know, put lots of money in there if I could. Um, but yeah, their stock is rising because I think people are starting to see this. Uh, that report that we showed from Gartner was published in October of 2020, which is you know just a, a year and a half ago, um, talking about the decoupling of these systems and the need for a type of builder. When I read that, I was like, oh, they're basically saying Webflow is the missing piece to make this front end as a service come to life, right? As I heard them talking about decoupling the back end and how uh, dev teams were gonna be focused on that back end functionality and serving all that up with APIs and focusing less on building the front ends. And then later they were like, hey, this creates a problem because they're not gonna have this WYSIWYG style editor. I'm like, oh, well, guess what Webflow brings to the table is this beautiful editor that, oh, just helps you build HTML, CSS and the front end JavaScript that you might need to do something like that. And they're working on trying to figure out how you open that back end up. Well, ding, 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 all the lights start going off in my head. Like this seems like it just makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to kind of see this all come together as somebody who's been, hold up. That's 200, by the way. That's two, wow. <laughs> that's two horns. Um, Is that a record? I, no, I think 220. No. I think two, but okay. that was a that was a special event that we'd cross the 220 yeah. mark. So anyway, let's see if we can break it a normal event. on the stream. This is just a regular stream, right? <laughs> Um, so yeah, as somebody who's kind of come through and seen this space evolve throughout the years, I think I started building websites in like, I don't know, 2012 or something like that. 
Um, so almost 10 years been building websites and seeing this all evolve and all and thinking about how do you how do I take advantage of this? How do I get on the front end wanting to desperately learn how to code and, you know, like beating my head against all of this stuff for so long. And then finally finding something like Webflow that feels like it sets me free and just kind of being on the edge of this, you know, wanting more. And so I think that's what's leading some of this excitement. Um, Joe, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I think we probably jump into a couple comments here. Um, and then get to the good stuff with with some of these product drops. And we'll show people exactly how we're turning some of these things in the front end of the service, right? Some of these tools yep. like filtering, we're giving you filtering as a service on the front end of Webflow, you know? Um, so so any, any thoughts there before we uh, change gears? Well, I will encourage anybody to make their final comments here in the chat. If you want anything else front end as a service throughout the rest of the episode, just let us know, ask that question. But I think we're ready to go into this example here. Yep. We, we're talking about front-end as a service. We're about to go and release the Attributes API, which is using Webflow as a front-end only. It is taking all of the important information, the dynamic information from GitHub. So our developers get to manage the code in GitHub, which is what GitHub is best for. And we are using Webflow as the front-end to show that because Webflow is the best for front end. So yeah, let's get right into this. I, if you go to, yeah. Yeah, one one quick thing, cause we're gonna, we're, you're gonna need this, okay? When we get into this, Dale is saying <laughs> today is the day I go pro. Nice. Okay, so finsweet.com forward slash fn dash pro. Uh, one of the features we released today is gonna require a pro membership for the first 30 days. We're gonna do early launch. So just FYI, if you're interested in using the things that we talk about here in this next section, you might want to go and jump on that pro account. Also, the prices are going to go up at the end of this month. So if you're considering that, uh, the annual plan is going to go up to $99 and the lifetime plan will disappear. So this is your last couple of weeks to get that lifetime deal um, or the discount on the annual plan. So, okay, now we can go into what you were going to say, Joe, sorry. Let's go into the attribute site. You can go to finsuite.com slash attributes and we have published an update to this. Can you give a few zooms in, mm -hmm. please? Okay, so now the new homepage of attributes is the directory page. We know what it is. We, we don't need an, another marketing landing page. So right when you go to the homepage, you're going to go and be able to search for your solution. And today, if we go to the API, we have launched an API for attributes. Attributes is a no-code solution for adding advanced functionality to a Webflow project. And now Attributes API allows for JavaScript on top of the no-code solution. So you're able to use our no-code attributes for filter, for loading, and then you're also able to safely write JavaScript to change the process, to wait for something else, to add something else, to pull in data from GitHub and filter through that data. So that's what API allows you to do. It allows you to write code on attributes. Yeah. And this is not a no-code tool, right? We're talking a lot about no-code tools. That's our attribute side. But this API side is for developers, people that want to write code. And it is required that you have some basic JavaScript knowledge. You don't have to be a coder if you understand it maybe you're able to piece it together. If you write code, this is perfect for you. This is exactly what you've been looking for. And today we are launching three different solutions for the API a little bit further down. Oh. 
we have CMS core, CMS filter, and CMS load. CMS filter and CMS load are the most popular solutions that we have. And these are the first ones that we release with the API. We will eventually release all the solutions with API, but we're starting here. And this is documentation for going in there and writing code. So you can add external data to your CMS collection list. You can replace it in your CMS collection list. You can then filter that data based on the parameters. You can create little templates in Webflow and feed that data in. And we are going to continue building this. This is not just a, a one-time thing. This is part of the attribute system. So we'll continue with tutorials. We'll continue with updating the docs and really hopefully see some very unique use cases. We have tutorials for you ready to go. And yeah, there, there's just so much that you can do here. We're going to look at, oh, let me, let me first say, this is from GitHub. I was gonna say, let's remind him that this is pulling from yeah. GitHub here. This is GitHub. Uh, the sidebar, it's using table of contents and it's using uh, GitHub. It's, it's pulled right from GitHub. And then this is a rich text from GitHub. And Alex is able to go and manage that in GitHub, make the updates, and they're automatically updated here inside the project. Okay. We will probably do some tutorials specific to GitHub. We'll probably do some one specific to Airtable. Uh, we'll, we'll try to hit the more popular platforms. Yeah. And, and yeah, show you how this works. Really help you bring that data in and do whatever you want with it. Well, and this is why we thought it was the perfect episode to talk about front end as a service as we do this, because like Joe was saying, none of this content lives inside of Webflow. So this is all sitting in, in um, GitHub, like Joe said, uh, it's pulling in from their API and then we feed it into a Webflow rich text element, which then, you know, creates the, the automatic table of contents. So um, this is the the dream of like headless CMS. I mean, maybe you've heard uh, headless CMS in the past few years, right? As it relates to Webflow or Craft CMS or, or WordPress, I'm sorry, or Craft CMS or any of these other like ghost CMS. You've heard a lot of um, talk about this recently. The headless CMS is the opposite side of the front end as a service, right? So a headless CMS is essentially a data store that's looking for a front end. Right. And so a headless CMS is like, hey, you hold your data back here in this box. And then wherever you need to display that data, you build a specific front end. So maybe it's a mobile app, maybe it's a website, maybe it's a whatever, whatever. And it's all feeding the same data. So again, you control that single source of truth at one place and that becomes your data store. And then you feed it to whatever front end you're using. So that headless CMS, if you've heard that term before, you were hearing about front end as a service, but on the opposite side of the, you know, kind of relationship to the data here. And so what we're talking about now is that the tools are evolving to a place where you can build the front ends for those headless systems. And soon we have to imagine that there will be connections for this, whether they come from third parties or Webflow originally or however it works out. Um, again, if we're doing stuff like this, I promise other people are doing stuff like this. We got Joel Whitaker in the comments here who is building stuff. Like there's little people building things all around the space um, using kind of code solutions, which is cool to see how they will then take Webflow and use it as the front end for whatever it is they're doing. Um, Joe, any other we'll see there? so many use cases. We're coming up with all these use cases and talking about what we think. And it's really exciting to know that there will be things that we won't even imagine. Uh, the, the options here are just so vast. Yeah. I would love the, the community here to come up with a use case 
for this attributes API. In this, in this stream, let's get some ideas here. What's something that you're working on or something that you think this may be a good fit for? I'd love to look at it, see if we can build it and maybe we can we can do this. So yeah, let's let's get some feedback about that API. How can we help you best adopt? Yeah. Yeah, that's and 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 that's I mean, that's the question we ask with all this, you know, like let's jump into maybe some of these comments. I've seen that the chat blowing up a little bit. So um, maybe before we dive into the attributes, uh, oh, we already did that before we will recap the table of contents um, functionality. Joe, I don't know if you are we set up to to recap that by chance. Oh, and there he went. OK, so let's see if he refreshes real quick and we'll get that set back up. Uh, there he is. I see it already happening in the back. Hello, Joe. Hello. What's up? Okay. Let me turn this off. Okay, great. All right, we're back. Um, okay. Where were we? We were going to take some comments from the crowd. <laughs> okay. This is sick. Been working on my JS skills. This will really help people learn in a Webflow specific use case. Yes. Um, this is so cool. I love how you have decoupled it for devs. Great work. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's going to be the fun here is figuring out how, um, how this stuff evolves and how people kind of push the limits of this. Um, Ole Hansen, this is a good one for you, Joe. I would like to pull in hotel prices that are from booking sites. Is that possible? Question mark. You could. Sure. If there is an API for, for those prices, sure. Nice. Uh, this is a good one too, Joe. Really interested in how Zano fits with this whole picture. I've enjoyed interacting with that team. They have similar beliefs with our community. Okay, nice. Um, yeah, I've heard great things about Zano. And yes, if if there is a JSON feed or some type of API that gives you that access to your data in Zano, yes, absolutely. You can go and take that data and filter through it, append it to the page and filter through it. Nice. Uh, let's see. Would be cool to pull API data from their open seas and use attributes API to build the filtering solution. Well, the API is exposed. So say a client had a request to create an NFT collection page that would allow the users to filter the collections based on trades, price, et cetera. But the catch was they had over 20K NFTs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you would need an external data source and you need an API to feed you that data. And then you could feed that into something that you could start playing with in, in Webflow. Mm -hmm. Um, yep, a WIZD totally. is a great tool for something like that. You know, something yep. like WIZD is, that's where I, I know WIZD, um, you know, lots of people are excited about WIZD, but maybe their documentation isn't super great right now. And some people kind of have a hard time with it, but that's what WIZD is doing, right? It's letting you take data, put it in somewhere else, and then feed it into a place that you can pull it into Webflow and do other stuff with. Um, so I think you'll see more around that. You'll see more around those types of products. Um, so yeah, let's see. <laughs> Zach, happy birthday to Rymar's PC. By the way, 226 <laughs> deserves another this thing. I think that officially makes this wow. the most popular live stream uh, today. Nice. So kudos to everyone for being on the uh, the stream with us today. Uh, yeah, Christopher, y'all breaking down such huge obstacles with this. Correct. That's the goal nice. here. That's the goal is every, yep. every step is to just make it easier to use make it easier to add functionality or to do things that maybe you weren't able to do before the tool existed. I think that's the whole promise that no code makes to creators and creative tinkerers of the web. Yeah, totally. Thank you, Christopher. That's a nice one. 
Okay, I think that's it with the JavaScript yeah. API comments. Let's now get into the second release. Yeah. That was only one of two. Nice. And API continues growing. In a few months, you'll see all those solutions with API documentation. All right, now number two, table of contents. It is not a great experience to build a table of contents in Webflow based on a rich text element. Yes, there are scripts that will take the H values, put them in a sidebar, and now you have your table of contents. We have built a solution just for this. This is right here in attributes. It is a new solution and is for FN Pro account holders only. We're doing 30 days pro only. And then after 30 days, it will be available to the general public. So we'll see this message right when we try to access it. And Rymar can go and log into that account. So I'll log in with FinSuite, remember, and it just remembers, right? So it just did a call to check and it knows who I am. So it now knows I'm logged in and it will open this up for me to start playing. There we go. And don't, 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 don't. Oh, go up, oh, go oh. Up. <laughs> he's putting the, he's putting the secret documentation on the live stream. Close. <laughs> we got to give Close, him the tease. We're good. We got to give we're him the good. tease, right? Okay. Everyone's going to go back and like pause. Everyone's going to go back and pause that one screen frame and try to jump in there. Um, but if you want, just come check this out. This is the way to get in. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Become an F and pro. Like we talked about, 79 bucks annually or 299 lifetime. Again, this will go up to $99 annually and no lifetime option at the end of this month. Uh, this is the first time we've done a pros only release for a product, uh, but we told y'all when we launched this that our goal was to add as much value to this as quickly as possible. And so we're gonna keep doing and testing this. Um, if you were at the show and tell yesterday, we teased another little product that you can go back and look if you want. That will be a pros only release for um, probably the first few months that that exists um, as alpha testing uh, and maybe longer. Um, so uh, lots of stuff coming under this pro plan. This table of contents thing is super cool. Um, again, I keep getting the urge to scroll, but I'm not, ah, ooh, oh, no. <laughs> can, you, can you change the, change the screen and scroll down to the example without going into the docs? Okay. There we go. Nice. So let's show it. Let's show everybody what this is. We have this example set up. We have H1, H2, all the way down to H6. You can totally customize which H's you show. You can omit H's. You can change H's. We have directives that you can put inside of the rich text block so that you can customize which ones show, how they show, and how they're nested. And we also integrate with Webflow interactions. This is a simple example of height going from zero to auto, but you could do anything. You can do line draws. You can have individual section statuses. You can, the options are endless. We can trigger Webflow interactions at any stage of this table of contents. And it's all plug and play. You will be very surprised how quickly you can go and set this up. So. We made this solution. We need it all the time in our client projects. I know our developers at FinSuite are very happy about this. So we're hoping that this is going to make one or more of your implementations a lot more simple. Yeah, and this is again, can be used with a CMS. This is mm -hmm. available anywhere you're using rich text fields. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, 
and we did a demo on this. If you want a little bit deeper dive on this, we did do a demo. What was that like uh, last week at some point? I think we, we did like a live walkthrough of Joe kind of building and implementing and showing how easy it is. I think it took literally like a minute or two um, to, to put that up there. So, yeah. Cool. Let's bring up some comments. Who, yeah, let's take a look talking about this. This feels big watching these comments from those who see the possibilities. That's right. Um, <laughs> WKD saying, I just arrived. Can someone sum up a couple sentences? No, but you can hit rewind on the YouTube and just play it on your own time and catch up with everything. Basically, it's going to allow you to build on top of attributes. So it allows you to add custom code and pull in external data sources using attribute solutions, um, starting with a couple, you know, starting with, uh, was it uh, load filter and what was the filter. other one? Yeah. Core. Core. That's right. And uh, let me do a little bit of an explanation on core, jumping kind of back to this API concept. I forgot it. CMS core is the core of our attributes, CMS solutions. So anything that has CMS in there, CMS filter, CMS load, slider, tabs, combine, anything. It uses this CMS core package. And this CMS core package gives useful tools for all the other CMS solutions to pull from so that they all come from the same brain. They all come from the same base CMS logic. So we give you the API to be able to communicate at the top level for all the CMS solutions. So that's CMS core. There is no no code version of this. It's not an actual functionality. It's a development functionality. Yeah. So that is in the API as well. I got to clarify one thing here, Joe. One thing. There's 240 something of y'all watching and there's only 84 likes. Come on now. Wow. Come on now. Let's tell YouTube <laughs> that you all don't hate us and that you appreciate the content or these releases. We'd appreciate that. Uh, the likes do really help um, the YouTube algorithm. So, okay. Bailey is saying that this is amazing. Yes, uh, for sure. Lots of things will be built on this, uh, not just this API, the rich text thing, lo lots of different things. Um, Jacob, this might be a good one, Joe. Can you please talk about limitations? What can we not do with this? What can we not do with the API or the table of contents? Mm, probably the API. I mean, the table of contents is pretty straightforward, right? If you have a heading field and a rich text, you can map that with an attribute and it'll show up in the um, table of contents. So I think that's okay. pretty straightforward, right? If, you have, if uh, you have questions in the audience about that, if it's not as straightforward as that, just let, let us know. But um, if there's any like specific piece, but I think, yeah, the API is where we should focus that. Well. You know, I don't know if I have an answer to that question. From my understanding, there are no limitations. It allows you to write JavaScript, which is very general, inside attributes. So, yeah, I don't have an answer to that myself. If you come on Thursday, we may have Alex on the stream, and he will be able to answer that type of question. Yeah. That may and be I'd, good just I'd to love, say, we haven't yeah. confirmed with Alex yet. Alex, if you're watching, yeah. you should do the stream with us Thursday. Uh, but Joe and I Thursday are going to dive deep into like the implications of the CMS API. We'll talk a little bit about roadmap. We'll talk about, you know, what led to this. Um, you know, we'll just have a, a conversation like we've been having about that. And hopefully Alex will be able to join us to have some conversation around that. Um, otherwise, we are planning a once a month product recap stream with Alex. Um, so we haven't scheduled the official first of that, but we will um, we will be 
doing those moving forward. Just dedicate one stream a month to recapping everything we've done from a product standpoint at FinSuite. Yeah, great. I'd love to also answer the other side of this, mm. limitations for table of contents. Okay. Because we have some good questions kind of revolving around, can I do this? What can I do with this? Sure. Okay. The limitation is the internet connection every single time. <laughs> He's back. Okay. I'm back. Okay. Can you drop the table of contents on the right of the rich text? Mm. And that's from, that's from John Matias. Yes, you can put the table of contents anywhere. You are literally, you're using anything that you would use in Webflow. There is no, the, the limitation is what you can do in Webflow. You can yeah. have it on the right. You can have it on the top. You can have it on the bottom. You can have it in a dropdown. You can have it anything. It can change for desktop and mobile, which brings me to the next question from Dimitri. How table of contents looks on mobile, please show. That's up to you. There's nothing to show. Whatever you can build in Webflow, you can put in your mobile. So maybe desktop is left sidebar. Then on tablet, you do it on top. And then on mobile, that turns into a mobile dropdown. You can do whatever you want here. Uh, this, and you could even turn on and off interactions. It completely integrates with Webflow. So interactions, you can have certain ones show on desktop, certain ones show on tablet, and certain on mobile. In addition, we integrate with the current state of Webflow. So the anchor scrolling and the way that current is, is used exactly matches how Webflow does it. It uses that little green current bubble the, the current state. And yeah, it's, it's all part of the same system. So Webflow is the limitation, whatever that limitation is. And there are none. When you come to that HTML and CSS, that's the beautiful part about it. Nice. So that is the answer to that question. Nice. Um, here's uh, another one actually kind of following in that same light, Joe. Nice. You built this for a reason. What do you imagine are the most common use cases for this? Long blog posts? I would say yes, long blog posts, absolutely. This is, I think, very useful for any type of content that has multiple sections with nested sections. It becomes really confusing when you have a whole bunch of H2s, a whole bunch of H3s inside of that. This table of contents can be fixed on the left side, sticky, right? This is what we just showed. This is a common use case. This can just chill at the top of the article. This doesn't have to be sticky. Doesn't have to have an active state. You can just show the table of contents on the top, allow the user to click through if they want, and if not, they just scroll into the content. So it can really be used for anything. Yeah. Even with that type of structure, you could do it with only two or three H2s it still makes sense. It's still very useful. So yeah, I don't see any specific use cases, but long posts, definitely a clear use case for me. Nice, for sure. Um, okay, let's see what's happening here. Da, 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 da. Which other attributes can complement table of content solution best? Seems filtering can play nicely along with table of contents. Any thoughts there, Joe? Nice. Um, well, I don't know if I see filter working with table of contents. I would love to, to hear a use case for that. Yeah. Playing well with table with 
table of contents. Um, you know what? We haven't even played with it enough to have an answer to that question. I have, I have not thought about that. However, it should work with every solution. So if you can think of one, especially on this stream, I'd love to hear it. Let's talk about it. Yeah. The table of contents, Anthony Harrison is saying here, the table of content looks great and is exactly what I need in my current project. Uh, it may have nice. to get my FM Pro account set up today. Come on with it, you know, here we go. Um, yeah, I think there's almost 200 now in that pros, uh, like 200 FM Pros. Um, nice. There's a Flow Parents channel now in the Slack, which is super oh. cool. Uh, was it, who, who was that? Was it Scott Humphrey posted a picture? Let me pull this up just to make sure I'm saying the right thing here. Uh, yeah, Scott Humphrey posted a, a picture of his kid uh, with the, like a FinSuite cap on, <laughs> a little toddler. Uh, uh, it's just fun seeing folks kind of connect in there about, um, you know, how to deal with the balance between this and that. And so lots of different ancillary benefits. Uh, we just launched the accountability groups in that pro tier. So the products is one thing, but we're also doing other stuff in there. Um, cool, cool to see that growing. So. Uh, yeah, legal functions in the corporate use case for their documentation policies, for sure. Educational purpose, really useful. Um, documentation, uh, some of these attributes, documentations are really long, or if, if let's say you have a big wiki that you wanna build on Webflow that kind of explains lots of stuff and it's deep, 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 rich text. Even for research papers or long articles or anything like that, this could be a great way to just do that. Um, and one thing that we didn't cover today that we did cover in the last episode that you can break up the rich text elements and you could have you know, one rich text block, two rich text blocks, three rich text blocks broken up by other elements on the page and the table of contents will still adapt to read them all as one big unit. And so you can have a single um, table of contents on the side and still have, you know, a number of rich text blocks, which opens up crazy design pot potential inside of Webflow with like breaking up your text with hero images or section breaks or, you know, some little, I don't know, whatever do you want to inject in there. I'm thinking about our earlier conversation about helping small businesses implement more, do more in their business. Mm. This type of solution can be the difference of a small business having that sidebar and not having that sidebar. I know this is very small. This is not, you know, this isn't going to be a massive impact, but if you were building a small business website, it's very possible you'd say, hey, table of contents isn't really possible in Webflow. This is going to increase the cost by whatever, $500, because I need to write this code and it will take two, like two or three hours to figure out. Now you can say, you know what? Yeah, we can implement that. I could do table of contents. And now 10 minutes later, you have a fully functioning table of contents with very little effort. And now that small business has this functionality that they would not have been able to have without the solution. Right, exactly. The front end level with websites also here with these functionalities that we're giving you. Nice. Um, comment from Nunn saying you can use the table of contents for whole API documentation. Well, imagine yeah. if we were, you know, we are. Um, actually, we, are. we covered yeah. that. It's not only are we using it, but we're also pulling the data in from GitHub, not from a Webflow um, CMS. And so that's why the whole front end as a service at the front of this announcement makes a lot of sense because we're showing how you can pull that data from an external source, display it in Webflow. And in addition to that, use the attribute solution to create that dynamic table of contents on the page, which you can then design however your heart desires inside of Webflow. 
Hans Lund is asking, when is slash was the Stripe Airtable implementation episode? Where can we find it? Mm-hmm. Um, we did episode one on our channel, which was the migrating from client billing. The second episode is on Aaron's channel. So go over to automate all the things. Or if you look in the description of our live stream, the link will be in there. Um, but otherwise, it's on Aaron's channel. So we did one episode on ours and then the other one on his episode. Thanks. Um, let's see. Hey, welcome, Boris. Better late than never. No worries. Seems like lots of people have been jumping in and out of the stream today. We have hit up to 250, which makes this our most popular live stream. Um, yeah. Let's let's bring up a question from Sebastian Zimmer. Send it. Does table of contents benefit SEO? No, not really. Uh, this, yeah, the I, I think the main focus of the SEO is the rich text block. It doesn't hurt SEO. It mm-hmm. just, I think, really does nothing. It's really just a visual side, a, a visual piece of the page. So no, no benefit to SEO, but also no hurt. Yeah. 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 Actually, um, it could help because if you're using this, it probably means you have text heavy websites. And I don't know if, cause I'm not up and up on SEO, but I do know that, um, there, there were some, uh, you know, if you have a page with just you know, a couple hundred words on it, Google's like, eh, whatever, there's not a lot of content there. But if you have a page with like 3000 words and all those words are relevant to a specific topic. And when people read it, they, you know, like spend a lot of time reading those words that helps SEO. So if you're using a table of content on big pages, the content itself is what's going to impact any SEO. The The table of content itself is, is not going to make a big difference one way or another. Well, you know what? That made me think maybe it does because if people stay on the page longer, yeah. that's helping your SEO. Right. So if you're giving somebody a much better experience True. and instead of spending 30 seconds, they spend 30 minutes. Well, now this is helping your SEO. Yep. James is asking, does releasing something like this signal that Webflow is becoming more or less open to a plugin ecosystem and opening up the designer JS API? Feels like FinSuite is their product team right now. Joe, you want to take a first swing at that? Yes, we. this is in no relation to Webflow. First, we have not spoken to them about this release. We, yeah, we just, they know we're building attributes. They know we're, we're building the extension uh, and yeah, I think they're open. They're open to it, and I think that's the the progress of this yeah. marketplace. Yeah. That you know, we've been hearing about the marketplace for a while. We know it's coming, and I think that is their effort to open up a plugin ecosystem. We're just starting a little bit earlier. Yeah, yeah. I think this is um, the the short answer here is no. Um, Webflow has not opened up their design API or any of this. None of this even touches that. This, this, this is totally separate from that. This is just working with attributes and allowing you to kind of um, pull in other, other data um, as long as you have an, an, a separate API feed. So again, it's totally outside of Webflow. Um, they're doing whatever they're doing on their own timeline, uh, which we're not privy to, unfortunately. <laughs> I know sometimes, you know, maybe y'all would like to think that we're getting like inside briefings from Webflow, <laughs> but we don't, we don't have it. Like, you know, we get to chat with our team every once in a while, but um, yeah, really we're, we're getting most of the same information you all are on, on, on a lot of that. So mm-hmm. uh, let's see. Okay. Zach jumped off for sure. No problem. See you, Zach. Thanks for hanging with us. This is a good question. Dale Jensen saying no code conference, beer, meetup. 100%. You should all plan on being at NoCodeConf if it happens this year, and we will probably be doing like a pre-party or an after-party or something like that at some point. 
But also, I may or may not be looking at my calendar around September thinking about some kind of cool meetup or something happening. Tease, tease, hint, hint for some Ooh, of y'all who are watching. Nice. <laughs> we should be. That should be fun. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to bring up this comment from none. Yep. Okay. Here's the challenge. Search button on top of table of contents. And based on search result, table of contents expands automatically for the relevant section or sections. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That's a cool one. So now imagine a super long article. We're talking very, very long where you'd actually have to search to find what you want. I would love to see somebody try that. In yeah. theory, it should work. You know, the attributes is built for all the attributes to work together. So in theory, this works. However, maybe we uncover something that we have to update to make this work. Yeah. But yeah, really cool use case there. Yeah. WKD has got a good question here, Joe, that maybe you, we can shed some light on. Yes. Uh, table of contents does go well with accessibility and page readers. And it's a very serious topic for us. So if there is a problem, we are going to update that immediately. Like next day will be updated. So WKD, if you see something wrong as you're testing, let us know. But yes, we have set it up by default to, to work. Joe, have... Are we about to secretly tease another tease? Don't we have some like big accessibility stuff potentially at some point with attributes coming? Yeah, are we, we do. To, are we allowed to say anything about that publicly after I just did? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can. Um, I was just w wanting to make sure that people yeah. know that we're, we're actively, um, we're super committed to accessibility and you will see lots more stuff in the accessibility realm come as it relates to attributes moving forward uh, in the very near future. We, the next, the next big product sprint we're doing is in the FinSuite extension. So you'll be seeing next up. Just give it a sec. And nope. Okay. Um, it'll be right back. Just one second. It usually just takes a second. We we're, we're getting some packet loss occasionally from, from this signal, but you're back now, Joe. Mm, okay. Uh, we are, yeah, the next thing is the extension. We have some good up updates for you there. We're also going to integrate a login functionality to that extension so that we can now release things for pros. And then after the extension, we're coming right back to attributes and our top priority is the accessibility series. The accessibility series is going to be a full toolkit of JavaScript-based accessibility tools in no code attributes. So you will, will be able to write JavaScript with attributes and really make sure that everything is accessible. This is going to come with education. So the, the difficult part about this is not the JavaScript, it's fairly easy JavaScript. The difficult part is how do we package it together and make it so I apply this attribute to the close button of the modal. Mm. I apply this attribute to the open button of the modal. I apply this attribute to the element that we should skip a tab command for. So this is coming. This is the next thing after the extension going to be really, really powerful. And I think it's going to turn into a new add-on service for a lot of people that this will take time. It's not going to be a, a two minute process. A big site could take a few hours to implement, but we give you the tools to actually implement. Mm. So you can open up a whole new service with 
the accessibility series and you can now be an accessibility pro in a fairly short period of time. Yeah. That's exciting. Yep. Um, I wanted to see Joel said something here. One thing to note SEO wise is that the initial link will be indexed by Google. So make sure it's hashed. You know, there's a hash at the beginning of the markers and, and it does. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it does all that. Uh, and then John was saying, John Matias is saying having the table of contents as an option now encourages us to write long form and that's structured even more logically with the good use of H tags or H headings that will help SEO. Sure. That, that, that is a good point there. Juan Cardona, you're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. Adrian saying WKD in the sense that the links are well labeled and they can take the user. Yeah, that, that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, I'm not sure if I should bring this one up from Dustin or not. Joe, what do you, what do you think here? It seems it would make sense for Webflow to buy FinSuite outright. Would that ever be a possibility? This not- is not something that I think will happen. Uh, I can't see, I can't, I just can't see that happening. Either them offering to do that or us accepting. So I would say, no, that's not a, that's not really a possibility in my eyes. Yeah. Although I'm always open to anything. I would, I would happily listen to anything about that, but that's not for us. We have yeah. a, we, yeah. Well, and I think we got a lot of stuff that we personally have ambition for before we're like actively interested in, you know, selling and cashing out. Yeah. 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 We got a lot of stuff that we got a lot of stuff we got to do before that's, uh, you know, on our, our horizon. Yeah. Um, Tony, wait, you're going to save me days of digging all over stack overflow. Yes. That's exactly what we're going to do. That that is correct. (laughs) Super thankful for what y'all are building. I love the focus on exposing lower level functionality for devs. Yeah. Thank you, James. Appreciate that. Yeah. And Dimitri is, uh, as a last note here, is reminding everyone in the chat who forgot to like the video, go give that a like on YouTube. We do appreciate that. YouTube uh, appreciates that signal. Um, And once again, it's Joe's birthday today, so go show him some love on um, YouTube, uh, Twitter, Facebook, wherever wherever you follow Joe, wherever you have uh, interaction with Joe, go, go, go share some birthday love with Joe. Uh, any any thoughts, Joe? Before we get out of here, any any final comments or things that you? Uh... I think that's it. If you want to learn more, come this Thursday. This Thursday, we're going to be reviewing more of this stuff in depth, in detail. We're getting a bit hands on, so yeah, come Thursday if you want the next part of this training. Yeah. And that's it for me. This was a great episode. I'm really happy. Wow, we're at 260 watching right now. <laughs> this is a new record. Not only that, but. 3,299 views is what this is saying in the back of the dashboard here. If I go to my screen here and we go full on this, look at this, 3,300 views. This is lower, this is way lower than it usually is. This is usually, so this means we've had a lot of people kind of cycling through that haven't really stuck like we typically do. This is usually in the 20, you know, 15 to 20 minute range. but yeah, anyway, super cool to see these streams growing. Uh, lots of fun for us um, on our side. Thanks for spending some of your time on a Tuesday with us. We will be back Thursday again with a conversation about the attributes API and just general community stuff. Thursday has been real conversational, just like the rest of these streams. So um, yeah, with that, I think we'll we'll call it a day today. Um, anything else? That's it. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Have a great day. Bye, everyone. <laughs>